When you earn your degree online at Arizona State University, you get everything the nation's most innovative university has to offer. The same internationally recognized faculty, the same nationally ranked programs, the same degree. Learn more at asuonline.asu.edu. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. Going to dive right into a busy Thursday evening of baseball. Yesterday, Scott Chu was your host and told you all about the massive list of Royals who can't travel to Toronto. Today, the Royals had to replace all those guys, and so they made a flurry of moves. They called up two catchers, since both of their catchers had to be placed on the restricted list. They called up a few bats. They added a relief pitcher. They added a starter. But the two most interesting moves are one they did make and one they didn't. The one they didn't was they did not call up Drew Waters, who they recently acquired from Atlanta. That either says something about how the Royals view him or he's not vaccinated. Hard to know which one. The interesting move they did make was to call up first base prospect Nick Prado. Prado, an intriguing bat, has been getting some time in the outfield. Thursday, in his debut, he started at first base. He hit six. He went 0 for 3 with a walk. Facing Kevin Gaussman, you can sort of forgive that rough debut. I would definitely be grabbing him in deeper leagues, but only if you have somebody you can easily drop because there's a real chance he's back in AAA in short order once these 10 players are re-added to the roster. The Phillies, meanwhile, are leaving Toronto, which means JT Realmuto, Kyle Gibson, Alec Bohm, and Aaron Nola are back with the team for their weekend series in Miami. JTR and Bohm should be back in the lineup today. Gibson should start today, and Nola's scheduled to start Sunday before the All-Star break. 
Josh Winkowski plays in the COVID IL by the Red Sox. He tested positive, so he'll be out 10 days unless he can get some negative tests. The Reds placed Mike Moustakas in the COVID IL and called up Max Schrock to take his spot. Moustakas has been playing first base in DH, but not hitting much at all. So the biggest impact might be a question of who gets additional plate appearances here. Thursday, it was Donovan Solano starting at DH. The Cubs got Frank Schwindel back from the IL, but he was not in the lineup Thursday. Schwindel had a special season in 2021, but really hasn't followed up his breakout with anything close. And Jolton Simmons went to the IL, and that made room for Schwindel. Chris Bryant returned from the paternity list Thursday. He went 0 for 3, including a bases-loaded walk while hitting third as the DH. He was turning his season around before going on the paternity list, and I think he could have a very big second half. Jeff McNeil reinstated from the paternity list as well. He was back in left field, hitting fifth for the Mets, went one for four with a walk. The Tigers recalled Elvin Rodriguez from AAA to make his fifth Major League start Thursday. It once again did not go particularly well. Five and two-thirds, giving up three runs and seven hits with four walks and four strikeouts against the Guardians. The Cardinals get Tyler O'Neill back from the IL and signed Lars Newtbar back to AAA. O'Neill was in left field hitting six. He went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts as he tries to recapture what he had going last year. Newtbar, still an intriguing young bat, was on a five-game hitting streak, having finally gotten things going over the last week or so. Really a shame he was sent back down. Luis Patino will be activated by the Rays today to pitch against Baltimore, but it sounds like he's only going to go a couple innings, so not a lot to look at right now from a fantasy perspective. Some big-name pitchers hitting the IL. Shane Boz hitting the IL with an elbow sprain, but the real news is that he's being shut down for a month before being reevaluated. That's a pretty scary sentence there. Worst case, elbows could be Tommy John. Best case, he's out until mid-August and then has to work his way back. So you're hoping for maybe another month of starts out of him. In redraft, if you don't have an IL spot, I would just move on. Boz has made just six starts, thrown 27 innings, and it's entirely possible that's all for him this year. Luis Severino placed in the IL with shoulder issue. He said the way he felt, he hoped not to miss a start, but even with the All-Star break, he's going to miss at least one, maybe two with the 15-day IL. It sounds like there's a chance the Yankees will turn to Domingo Herman to replace Severino in the rotation when it's time. The Yankees also got Jonathan Loisaga back off the aisle and sent J.P. Sears back to the minors to make room. Loisaga threw two-thirds of an inning Thursday and gave up three runs on four hits, but just his first appearance back. The Guardians made a series of moves Thursday, the biggest being placing Aaron Savale on the IL. Savale had been pitching better lately, and I was intrigued with him as a buy low. He has a right wrist sprain and is going to a specialist to determine next steps, so this might be a while. The Dodgers placed Bruce Dargratterall on the IL with shoulder inflammation. The Ks have never really shown up for Gratterall, but he's been a very good back end arm for the Dodgers, but from a fantasy perspective, not really worth wading through an IL stint. J.P. Crawford scratched from the Mariners lineup. Ryan Divish, the Mariners Seattle Times beat writer, said on Twitter that Crawford didn't look right during warmups and was moving slowly. Have to get an update from the team on that. John Bernie left the Marlins game after just one inning Thursday, but that was still enough time for him to walk and steal a base. Of course, that was his 28th on the year. The report, though, is a left groin strain. That is a big concern given how important speed is to his game. We'll have to see how serious it is. Jose Altuve also left just as early. He got hit by a pitch in the first inning, stayed in long enough to move to second on a walk, third on a single, and then score on another single. Again, we'll just have to wait for an update. Moving to our on-field action, Esteuri Ruiz looks like he might stick around with the Padres. Just one for four Thursday, but doubled and then easily stole third base. Now four for 12 with a double, a triple, and a stolen base in his young career. If you need speed, go get him. He does not hit the ball particularly hard, so I don't expect a lot of power, but I do think he'll steal a ton of bases as long as he's sticking around and getting on base. Trent Christian had a home run, a walk, and a stolen base in that one as well. Still just trying to get going and maintain some momentum. 
With everyone else home in the U.S., the Royals got enough production from their top three to get a win in Toronto. Edward Olivares was three for three with a walk and drove in a run. Bobby Wood Jr., two for four with a combo meal, including a run in an RBI. Vinny Pascantino was two for four. The latter two locked in a lineup for now, but Olivares should be using this weekend as an audition to stay in the lineup moving forward. He can be very impactful if he's playing. Andres Jimenez, two for three with a walk and a home run, drove in two and scored one for the Guardians. The all-star second baseman just keeps hitting, and it looks like he is the long-term answer for them at least one middle infield spot. Jonathan Aranda started two games in a row for the first time in his career, and Thursday was two for three with a double and a run. He just needs to keep getting time to have some value. Gavin Lux hit his fourth home run. He's been getting on base, but failing to hit for much power. So a good sight seeing him get one on Thursday. Luis Robert was three for five with a grand slam, finished with five RBIs and a run scored. His ISO on the year is a lot lower than it has been, about 70 points lower. And in part, that's because his launch angle's been down. He's hitting the ball just as hard as he has in the past, but not at the same elevation. However, over the last month or so, his launch angle is back up. I suspect he is in for a big second half. Brandon Nimmo, three for four with a double, a home run, a run, and an RBI. Especially in OBP leagues, he would be a primary trade target for me, and I think he's going to put up big numbers atop that lineup. Looking at home runs around the game, Josh Bell hit his 13th, Michael Franco his 8th, Dansby Swanson now has 15 in what's turning into a career year, Michael Harris has 8 already, Matt Olson now with 16, Matt Chapman hit his 14th, Aaron Judge up to 31, Glaber Torres hit his 14th, Matt Carpenter somehow has 11. Josh Naylor got his 12th. Rafael Devers hit number 20. Andrew Vaughn, number 9. Sebi Zavala, his 2nd. Kyle Garlick pinch hit and hit his 7th. Pete Alonso hit number 24. Sam Haggerty, 3 for 4 with a home run, but that home run was an inside-the-park job that maybe should have been an error. Taking a quick look at some stolen bases, Garrett Hampson stole his 4th. Connor Joe, his 6th. Kevin Newman got his 2nd for Pittsburgh. I don't know if anyone was still worried about Ronald Acuna running, but he is at 19 now. Nelson Cruz got his 3rd. Victor Robles, his 10th. Bo Bichette stole number seven. The Yankees got number two from both Jose Trevino and Joey Gallo. Jaron Duran stole his seventh. Andrew Velasquez stole his 12th. This one is a pinch runner. Mike Yastrzemski stole his second. Willie Adamas, his second. And Hunter Renfro stole his first base of the year. On to the mound. Tristan McKenzie, just tremendous Thursday. Eight innings, career-high 12 strikeouts, five hits, no walks, held Detroit scoreless. His velocity was up. He had 18 whiffs at 33% CSW. His curveball was just nasty doing everything he needed it to do when he is on he is basically unhittable and that was the case on thursday fun matchup in new york as nestor cortez and luis castillo went head-to-head and with severino getting hurt castillo potentially on the trade block gotta wonder if this was a little bit of an audition if it was he did quite well seven innings one run two hits eight strikeouts he walked four which is an ideal but that is a great start against the yankees velocity was up as well maybe a little amped up playing in new york Opposite him, Cortez went seven innings as well, gave up one run as well, allowed four hits, had four strikeouts and a walk. Both got no decisions as they went pitch for pitch, but their bullpens were, well, they were bad. Another fun matchup in San Francisco is Carlos Rodon went five, giving up a run on eight hits and three walks with seven strikeouts, while Corbin Burns gave up two runs, only one of them earned, over seven and a third, four hits, three walks, 10 Ks for him. Radon's whip hurt and he didn't go very deep. Both these guys pitched pretty well and both of them are still aces. Braxton Garrett's been very good lately and was brilliant on Thursday, even if it was just against Pittsburgh. Six shutout innings, 11 strikeouts, two walks, two hits, and just three hard hit balls out of 11 balls in play. 
Garrett had a 40% CSW and 23 whiffs. The slider had 11 whiffs and 20 swings. The sinker had 9 and 14, just great across the board. And he's starting to look like another breakout Marlins pitcher. And by the way, speaking of breakout Marlin pitchers, just receiving word that Max Meyer is getting the call. He's going to be joining the Marlins this weekend and getting his first major league start. Meyer is a truly elite pitching prospect and a must-add in all formats. Zach Thompson went six and two-thirds, allowing just one run on four hits, but had only two strikeouts and three walks versus Miami. Thompson has a sub-three ERA since May 30th, but the skills don't really back that up. The, the ERA estimators don't look good. He's at best a streamer in great matchups, no more than that. Kyle Wright really cooled off since his early brilliance. Thursday, however, he was very good again. Seven innings pitched, two earned runs on seven hits. He walked just one, although he also only struck out four. He did have 15 whiffs and a 32% CSW. I think he's sort of settling in as a very good pitcher, but not the ace he looked like in April. Anibal Sanchez activated off the IL to make his first major league start since September of 2020. I didn't expect much. He didn't deliver much. Four runs on four hits and five innings pitch with five strikeouts and two walks, but just impressive to have made it back. Angel Zerpa called up to replace one of the million unvaccinated Royals and got the W. Five innings, one run on four hits, two strikeouts and two walks against a very good Toronto team. He had just four whiffs and a 22% CSW, and his AAA numbers are not that great, so I'm not buying on this, but still an impressive start for him. Kevin Gaussman took the loss in that one. He gave up two runs on seven hits over six with six strikeouts and two walks. 14 whiffs at a 28% CSW, enough to let you know he was probably the better pitcher in this one despite the results. You'd like to give Blake Snell some credit as he struck out five and only allowed four hard hit balls in three and two thirds innings, but he walked six and that won't fly. Snell was brilliant his last two times out against the Dodgers and the Giants, so I want to just give him a pass on a bad showing at Coors. Hopefully he can bounce back after the All-Star break. Cutter Crawford with a quality start, giving up three earned runs over six innings pitch, striking out six, allowing one walk. He had 13 whiffs and a 32% CSW. Crawford's been pretty consistently good his last five times out, and that's pretty interesting if he can stay in this Red Sox rotation. Drew Rasmussen matched the quality start, going six and allowing three runs. He struck out five and walked one. He had 18 whiffs and a 34% CSW. Tyler Anderson pitched well again, going six shutout, allowing three hits, two walks, striking out four. He moved to 10 and one on the year. Johnny Cueto keeps finding a way, shutting down the Twins to the tune of one run on seven hits over six innings, striking out five and walking two. I still don't really trust Cueto, but in the right matchups, I guess you got to use him. He's been effective. Sonny Gray, meanwhile, got lit up by the White Sox, giving up six runs and nine hits over three and two-thirds innings. He walked one and struck out three. His velocity and spin looked fine, but that is his third straight bad start. I talked about Carlos Carrasco on the Keeper Cut podcast on Monday, and he backed me up on Thursday. Six shutout, five hits, six strikeouts, two walks. I am still a believer in Carrasco. Keegan Thompson has been good lately, but was not good against the Mets Thursday. I think it's just a tough start for him against a tough team. I continue to use him, but I will be a little matchup cautious. I did not start him for this one. Martin Perez, another solid start. Five innings pitch, one and run on three hits. Very different look for him, though. He's been getting by with very few Ks and very few walks. This one, he walked four and struck out nine. In some ways, this is a more useful version of Perez, but if he's walking four, I don't think he can keep up those strikeouts and he'll get himself into some trouble. Reed Detmers using his rework slider on another pretty solid start. Six innings pitch, two runs and five hits, three walks, striking out six against a very good Astros lineup. 
Slider velocity was up again, and it performed well again. The Angels' rotation will be interesting after the break, at least in terms of Detmer's fantasy value. Their first three games back are against Atlanta. Then they get the Royals. If he's missing Atlanta and facing KC, I want in. Framber Valdez faced him and also went six, also gave up two, also struck out six. Just a solid start for him against Anaheim. Looking at the bullpens, Kenley Jansen gave up a home run and another hit, allowing an earned run and striking out two for his 21st save. He had only two whiffs, not a great outing, but he did, of course, get that save. Scott Barlow had a strikeout and allowed a hit, getting his 16th save. Daniel Bard had gone two straight, and Alex Colomay is banged up. So Carlos Estevez came in up three for his first save of the year. The Padres went one, two, three, and he added a strikeout. But I think he's still third chair here, depending on health and trades and things like that. After the Reds and Yankees bullpens took turns imploding, Dory Moreta finally came out in the 10th to get the last couple outs for his first save. Moreta has not been good this year, so presumably this is just about who was available and ready at that point, but who knows with that pen. Jalen Beeks, yet another reliever who got his first save on Thursday, and yet another in a bullpen where we just have no idea what to expect going forward. And another who got his first save was Trevor Williams. This was a three-inning save for the Met. He came in up six and finished with an eight-run lead to get that save. Diego Castillo got the save for the Mariners, his sixth. Paul Sewald unavailable after saving two on Wednesday. The Mariners only got that save opportunity after the Rangers' bullpen imploded, led by Dennis Santana giving up three earned runs in a third of an inning, a big dent in any hopes he had of closing. Ryan Presley came out in the ninth with the game tied, stayed for the tenth after Houston took the lead and ended up getting a win while striking out three over two innings. Really great outing for him. Meanwhile, while we're recording here, Camilo Duvall came in to a tie game in the ninth as well for the Giants. He ended up going two innings, but allowed the ghost runner to score in the top of the 10th. That was the only run he allowed, but it was enough. He ended up taking the loss despite going two innings with two strikeouts, two hits, and a walk. Opposite him, it was Devin Williams on for the save, not Josh Hader. Hader has pitched quite a bit lately, and he has really struggled lately, so this may just be giving him a day off. But Williams, brilliant as you'd expect, one inning, one strikeout, and his sixth save of the season. By the way, while he was getting that save, Mike Yastrzemski, who I mentioned earlier, stole his second base in the year. Well, he stole his second base in the game in that 10th inning. He was the guy who got to start the 10th inning on second base. He stole third, but never did come around to score. He now has three stolen bases on the season. With that, let's take a look at the weather, and then we'll jump into Friday's action. Thank you very much. Well, the trouble game today is the first game, and it's at Wrigley Field between National League opponents, the Cubs, and obviously the Cubs, and the Mets. Uh, There's going to be a pretty big area of showers, thunderstorms, rain, whatever you want to call it, all of the above, moving through the area uh, during the afternoon. This is a possible postponement and needs to be monitored but luckily, this is the only game that really has any concern with it at all. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. On Friday, if you're looking for a streamer, I think Zach Plesak could have a really nice start against the Tigers. They've really struggled, and he's been pitching a little bit better lately. Jake Odorizzi has been pitching very well lately. Better than I think he'll continue to pitch, but he gets Oakland. So, yeah, why not give him a shot? As for offenses to start... Gotta wonder if you should be starting your Cardinals. Hunter Green has been very homer prone, so if you're looking for some home runs, that might be a good place to get them. Michael Kopech has struggled a bit lately, and his velocity's been down, and I'm a little concerned about him. Twins have a very good offense and may have an opportunity to put up some runs against him. 
As for what I am sort of most interested in, most closely watching, Sandy Alcantara with a tough matchup against the Phillies, and I'm really excited to see how he handles that. I'm sure he's going to do great, as he has been all year. Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Uvalde with 3.19 and 3.16 ERAs in the year, respectively. Again, a real tough matchup with each other. Excited to see what happens with that. And lastly, Brandon Woodruff and Alex Wood, both guys I thought were going to have really good years, both guys with ERAs above four so far, but pitching better lately. They are head-to-head in San Francisco today. Looking forward to seeing what they can both do. Don't forget to take some time to read the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks to get some more details on what happened Thursday and what's going to happen Friday. And with that, I'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.